0: the Lord put I my trust. Now this this uh, outset of the 11th Psalm gives the summary and the final conclusion of the matter. In the Lord put I my trust. How say you to my soul flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone and an horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Now, we're not specifically told the circumstance under which this psalm was written. It is probably an early psalm and was probably condition during the time that David was in the court of Saul before he had to flee. You remember in the sequence of events in the life of, in the early life of David, he was the eighth son of Jesse the Bethlehemite. Saul was king. Saul had an army. The three oldest boys were in the army. And David was the youngest and was assigned the job of keeping the sheep. And he did so carefully, diligently, Indeed, one might say meticulously, courageously. There came a lion and took a lamb. And David didn't scream and run, he went after the lion and took the lamb out of the lion's mouth, and when the lion turned to get him, he grabbed it by the beard and slew it. Now, a boy against the lion is uh, is an uncommon thing. A lion and a bear... The record goes that from time to time an evil spirit came upon Saul. Now in our enlightened day, we would say that Saul went crazy once in a while. He lost his uh, emotional balance, or whatever terms we might use, But Scripture says an evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and one of his wise counselors said, if you find someone who can play well on a musical instrument, uh, it might quiet his spirit. Nowadays we call that music therapy or audio therapy. But it was known a long time ago, both by David and by Elisha. And uh, somebody said, well, so Saul said, well, that sounds like a good idea. Why don't you get me somebody? And somebody else said, uh, one of the sons of Jesse can play well. Well. And Saul said, we'll send for him. Go tell him him to send him up here. And so David was fetched to the palace. And when the evil spirit came on Saul, David played on the harp, and the evil spirit departed, and Saul was quieted. Now, apparently, after this happened, he was allowed to go back home to Bethlehem. Because next we see, we read about uh, Jesse sending him to the battlefield to check on his brothers. And it was there that he slew Goliath, the giant from Gath, the Philistine, who defied the armies of God. At the conclusion of that day, Saul said to Abner, Who is his daddy? And uh, Abner said, I can't remember. And they called him and said, who Whose son are you, young man? And he said, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. And uh, he found favor in the sight of Saul, and Saul sent word to Jesse that he was going to keep David and he would be his armor bearer. So he, so he learned the ways of the court. God was preparing his king. But in the days that followed, when he was in the court, Saul was troubled because he heard the girls singing when they came out to meet the victorious army on the return from the slaughter of the Philistines. And they had composed a song that went like this, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. It didn't mean a thing except the words came handy. But Saul said, They have ascribed to me but thousands, and to him they have ascribed ten thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And he eyed him from that day and forward. And the evil spirit returned, and David played on his harp again. And the king was quieted. But uh, probably during these days, someone came and told David there is intrigue in the court. Your life is in danger here. You are not looked upon with favor. Uh, you will be assassinated. It would be better if you fled. Flee as a bird to your mountain, for lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. Now this was probably true. There was a plot afield. We may call this song the Song of the Steadfast. Aware of the danger. The temptation to which David was subject, subjected was, flee for your safety. In verses 1 through 3, and then verse 4 through 7 is the arguments by which his courage was sustained. In verse 1, David is exercised because there had been a temptation to distrust God. Someone had cautioned him of imminent danger and advised flight. And David felt that he had a duty in his assigned post, and he would not forsake it because if he fled, it could have been charged that he was guilty of dereliction of duty to the king or of personal cowardice, neither of which was true But uh, David says, I will put my trust in the Lord. In the Lord put I my trust. And uh, my safety will be his concern. He would stay and trust God to see to his safety. It was a similar situation that Nehemiah found himself in. Nehemiah had returned from the court of Persia where he was the the cupbearer to the king. And there were those in the land who were grieved that one came who sought the welfare of the people of Israel. Sanballat, the Horonite, Geshem, the Arabian, (coughs) Tobiah. I'm reading from Nehemiah 6. Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall, and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Valley and Gesham sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. They said, Let's have a summit conference and see if we can't work this thing out amicably. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease, whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this manner, and I answered them after the same manner. Then sent Sanvali his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand wherein was written, It is reported among the nations, and Gashmu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king, according to these words." For thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel together. Then I said unto him, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it shall not, that it be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. You see some of the opposition that Nehemiah was facing. But then the most devious of all, afterward, I came unto the house of Shemaniah the son of Deliah, the son of Mahath of who was shut up. And he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us shut the doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night will they come to slay thee. Now, this this was a friend who, uh, who sought to cause him to distrust God. And I said, should such a man as I flee, and who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me, for Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Therefore was he hired, that I should be afraid, and do so, and sin, that they might have matter for an evil report, that they might reproach me. My God Think thou upon Tobiah and Sanballat, according to these their works, and on the prophetess Noah die, and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. Now, there's nothing wrong with going into the temple. But going into the temple, because of fear for his safety, Nehemiah thought was not an act of trusting God, and so he disdained it. Now he was in danger, but he would not give an occasion to the adversaries to belittle his trust in God. When Satan cannot overthrow us by presumption, how craftily will he seek to ruin us by distrust? He will use our dearest friends to argue us out of our confidence, and he will use such plausible logic that unless we once and for all assert our immovable trust in Jehovah, we shall be like the timid bird fleeing to its mountain every time that danger manifests itself. Sometimes this comes from dear friends. From, for Job, it was from his bosom companion. I read in Job 2, verse 7. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore balls from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And he took him a potsherd to scrape himself withal, and he sat down among the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity, curse God, and die? But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. Job was conscious at this time that everything that he had had been screened by his creator-sustainer, and he trusted him. He trusted in God to the point where he could say in Job thirteen fifteen, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. We need that kind of trust, that kind of faith. Here our psalm begins, In the Lord put I my trust. It is a safe place for it. Thank you.